So Karen read the text for us earlier. She read James 3, verses 1 to 12. And this is a good opportunity for you to get your emblems because right after you hear me speak, we'll be going into communion. So we have been looking at this series, what kind of person is this? We started out looking at Jesus in the boat and in the storm and his disciples cried out to him and he, the scripture told us that he awoke, he rebuked the storm and it died. And then they looked at him and they said, but what kind of person is this that even the waves obey him, the wind and the waves obey him? What kind of person is this that can sleep in such a storm? But I'm mindful that this, that person, Jesus, is calling us to live the way he has lived on earth. To be a model to be a life that is focused and centered around him. He's calling you and I to, to be that kind of person. And so through the book of James, we have been exploring and have been discovering and uncovering truths and insights that James has have, have, have been opening up to us. And in the, the book of James, we have discovered what it, what it means to have genuine faith. Genuine faith, we learned, isn't, passive, isn't a passive belief, but it's rather a dynamic force that is actively manifesting itself in our everyday life, in every facet of our lives. It's exerting influence and leaving its mark on everything we engage in. Genuine faith is consistent with the teaching and life of Jesus. From James 1, we uncovered that faith should guide our every action. It should guide our response to trials and temptations, and it should encourage us to endure and to persevere because without perseverance, we would never become complete and mature and get to the place of lacking nothing. Faith, we recognize, addresses how we listen. We listen through the ears of faith. We see through the eyes of faith. We act upon the word of God through faith. And we speak in a way that reflects a true and active faith. James 1 26 to 27 tells us that those who are religious keep a tight rein on their tongues and look after the orphans and widows. From James 2, we discover that faith actively works and should be evident in our words and in all our actions. James emphasizes the practical outworking of faith in the lives of believers and teaches that genuine faith is not merely a matter of belief, but also influences our actions and our interactions with others. Faith demonstrates, because why it demonstrates? Because it is active, it is not passive, it is dynamic, it, it, it demonstrates how we treat 
people without showing favoritism. Faith shows us how we share our resources with those in need. Because the truth be told, if you believe that God will provide for you, there's no problem in your sharing what you currently have. Faith teaches us how to love our neighbors and how we speak and act as those who will be judged by their deeds. So that is an overview of what we have been learning and uncovering and discovering through the book of James. This morning, I, as I move to, to chapter three, I want the, the I, there's a video, Karen, you can queue up the video. There's a video I want to sh show you. And I want you to think about this question as you, as you watch the video. During your last visit to the doctor, were you asked to stick your tongue out? And do you understand the specific reason behind the doctor's request? Listen, watch that video that Karen will be showing. It's a two minute video. So just watch with me. It, it, will, it, it will substantiate the point I want to make. Go ahead, Karen. I'm here, it's from Conway. Um, this one has definitely dampened the body. Uh, this person probably feels cold a lot, cold hands and feet. I would say a bloated after eating, possibly again asthma in the past and a very emotional person. Okay, next we have this one. Okay, deep crack down the center as we can see there. So this again is an emotional person, probably being through a leaf in time. Um, lots of cracks in the tongue, so there's lots of heat in the body. So probably uh, gets night sweats, dry stools, uh, sore throat, cough and things like that. This one, uh, Trish, uh, very swollen tongue. So again, lots of bloating after eating. Uh, heaviness in the limbs, especially in the shoulders, uh, possibly skin breakouts. Then we have this one. It's not quite clear, but I can see that uh, again, this person's poor circulation, uh, so possibly cold hands and feet, and and some uh, loose stools. I would say. We have Melissa here again. This tongue is not too bad looking, but I would say again some uh, digestive issues, um, feeling bloated after eating. Again with loose stools and quite a cold person. Okay. Uh, um, this one, again, a very normal looking tongue, but we see a red tip. So I would say this person gets uh, anxious quite easily, but probably hides it a lot. Maybe suffers with um, some heartburn, finds it hard to drift off to sleep, and gets very vivid dreams. This one, uh, Clodagh, I can't make it out too well, but it's very pale. So again, cold hands and feet, poor circulation overall. Probably gets dizzy spells and uh, lightheadedness, and again, very bloated after eating. This one, um, Deep midline crack down to the tip, so either possibly had asthma in the past or still has asthma uh, and had grief as well recently or, or a big emotional upset. So we have Kevin here. Um, now, again, just what I see by the picture, I'd say Kevin suffers with maybe vertigo, uh, possibly gets migraine um, and headaches, uh, dizzy spells, I would say, as well, night sweats, possibly dry stools and uh, frequent urination, and, uh, and does get quite anxious, but again, hides it very well. Thank you, Karen. The video may not have been very clear and maybe you were wondering why am I showing that video to you? I want you to understand that the physical examination of the tongue, valuable information about a patient's over. We saw that the color, size, texture, and behavior of the tongue 
tell, told the doctor was able to look at it and to say, this person has this, that person. Has. It's a way in which the, the health of our tongues tells us what's happening in our hearts. A dry and a cracked tongue is a sign of dehydration. A swollen or red tongue is a sign of allergy. And we, we heard that the, the, the way the person sticks the tongue out tells the doctor or gives the doctor the information about their neurological issues. Same way, our physical or spiritual tongue is a valid test that helps to diagnose the issues of our heart. And as we go through, the, through James 3, verses 1 to 12 today, you will get a better understanding of what the video is saying in the, in the natural and what it means for us in the spiritual. So James 3, verses 1 to 12, uncovers the connection between faith and the tongue. It tells us how faith influences our spoken and unspoken communication and how our physical words communicates our spiritual state. James warns his readers about the tongue. He said a small member of it's a small member of the human body that is but it is the most difficult to control. James highlights the importance of using our words in a manner consistent with our faith in God because as I said before the testing of our tongue is a valid test because it speaks to the conditions or the issues of the heart our faith should guide our speech by encouraging us to speak wisdom kindness truth and love while avoiding harmful divisive and ungodly language our words give expression to our beliefs, values, emotions, fears, issues, confidence, insecurities, intentions, and thoughts. When we discover what is what the, 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 what is in our what we when we discover the kind of person that James is calling us to be, we will understand from verse one that. The weight of the responsibility that comes with the call, we will understand the weight of the responsibility that comes with the call to teach. When we discover the kind of person that James is calling us to be, we will recognize that that person understands or recognizes the power and potential of the unruliness of the tongue. We discover that the kind of person that carefully speaks relies on the wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We will also discover that the person of faith is consistent with the value and principles they profess. My first claim to you this morning is the kind of person that James is calling you and I to be are persons who clearly, who carefully speak by understanding the weight of the responsibility that comes with the call to teach. In verse one, James says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teaching was a highly valued and respected profession in the Jewish culture. 
teachers were the ones who preserved the Jewish tradition. They preserved the values and knowledge of the, of the Jewish culture. And many Jews who embraced, the Christian, who embraced Christianity wanted to become teachers. We heard of the rabbis and the Pharisees. They too were teachers. And we heard about the teachers of the law as you read the scriptures. However, James cautioned his readers about their aspiration to teach by emphasizing the seriousness of the role. In Matthew 23, verse 3, Jesus warns his disciples from being like the teachers of the law and the Pharisees who do not practice what they preach. Teaching the word of God carries a significant responsibility. A teacher of the word is responsible for nurturing the spiritual growth and an understanding of those they teach. They are held to a higher standard than those they teach. So we can't teach just to say, do what I say, but not as I do. A teacher of the word is accountable to God for the accuracy of the teaching and the way they conduct their lives. A teacher of the word is called to live by example. Teachers, according to James, will face stricter judgment by God because of what they know and because of how they are expected to live by what they know. Therefore, the calling to teach requires humility and a deep commitment to truth. It is it's a calling to love, to, to a, a calling to love to, to a place of love and to have a genuine desire to serve and to edify the body of Christ. Most of us at NLH are called to, to, to teach. Most of us at NLH have been in a role or have been given the responsibility to teach, and the responsibility carries wait because there's a responsibility for every word that you and I speak on behalf of God. So how do we recognize the weight of the responsibility that comes with the call of, of to teach? Recognize that the, the influence you and I have because God has called us to teach is one that shapes the lives of those who hear. Your words and your actions shape the thinking, the beliefs, and the behaviors of those we teach. Realize that a Christian teacher carries an additional spiritual responsibility. So it's not like the teacher that goes to school and teaches the student about math and English. As a Christian leader, what you say should impact how you live. As a Christian teacher, we are called to be lifelong learners. So we do not have the option to only are constantly learning how to be better. We are constantly studying and deepening our understanding and our knowledge. As a Christian teacher, we are called to prioritize our character over everything that we say. Our lives are called to model 
our lives are the model that people will follow. The people will hear what you say, but it's your life that they will follow. As a person that James is calling to, to, to carefully speak, we need to be accountable to a higher authority or mentor who can provide guidance and correction. So we do not have the final say. There is someone that God will put in our lives who will know a little bit more than we do. Someone who we can go to and we can share the word. And they may not have everything because no human being has everything. But they are there to help you as the Lord calls you and grooms you into the position. The kind of person who carefully speaks, seeks God's guidance and wisdom through prayer. Humility is a characteristic of the teacher that none of us can fail to have. Because as we are called to share the word, we have to humbly walk, humbly live, humbly share, and stay committed to the call. My second point comes from verse two. We are we, The kind of person that James called us to be recognizes the power and the potential of the unruliness of the tongue. Uh, in verse two, we read, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their, body, their whole body in check. The, the message Bible says we get it wrong when we open our mouths. So in essence, James is saying and acknowledging that everyone makes mistakes or stumble in various ways. Everyone has the potential because of the nature of the tongue to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Everyone has the potential to hurt. Everyone has the potential to damage Every one of us has the potential to speak out of turn. And so James is saying to us, if we are able to speak without offending others with our words, if we are able to speak without slandering and gossiping, without lying and deceiving, without being boastful and proud, without flattery and manipulation, without judgment and criticism, without being negative and, comp and, 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 and complaining, without being inappropriate with our humor. James says, we are able to keep our whole body in check. James says, if you can speak without taking God's name in vain, without cursing and speaking profane languages, then you are able to control yourself. Our ability to control our speech is an indication that we can control other areas of our lives and show maturity and perfection. So James says, you, you, we stumble because we are unable. We stumble because we are unable to keep a check on our tongues. In verses three to five, James said, but when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or he says, take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue, a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. James uses vivid analogies to illustrate to you and I that the influence that the tongue has influence over us. The tongue controls us. And he enlightens the tongue to, to the bit and the rudder. However, look at the difference. The bit and the rudder are passive instruments, but the tongue is an active instrument. The bit is able to, to, to allow the animal to move where the rider wants it to go. And so what he does, he connects that bit into the mouth, connected it to, to the rein, and he places it into the mouth of the horse. And it allows the rider to control the horse and to take the horse into the direction it wants to go, or even the speed it wants it to move by exerting pressure on the bit. But despite the size and the strength of the horse, that tiny bit can guide and control the movement. It, the, the rider determines if it wants it to go left or right just by the movement, the slightest movement of the rein. The rudder, a very small movable flap at the back of the ship, also plays a significant role in controlling the ship's course. Although the ship is massive and driven by strong winds, a very small rudder enables the pilot to steer it wherever he wants to go. And look what James is doing. He's lightening the bit that steers that, that massive horse or the rudder that moves that massive ship to the tongue that controls the human's, human body. James says the tongue controls. The tongue masters the body and the soul in significant ways. So when we recognize that the tongue has the power to do all of what it does, we will reflect on our past experiences and our words to see when we spoke in haste or we spoke without thought, giving thought and understanding to what we think of. Look at the damage it caused. Pay attention to how your words and communication affect those around you. For you and I to be the kind of person that James is calling us to be, we have to practice mindfulness. We have to consider the potential impact of every word we speak on the hearers and especially to those we are addressing our words. Pray for divine guidance and the wisdom needed to exercise self-control. But James didn't stop there. He said, the kind of person that I'm calling you to be is a person who rely on the wisdom and the guidance of God to help them to speak. In verses five to eight, James speaks about the tongue and he speaks about the, the fire and he, and he emphasizes the things as he describes the tongue and the control that the tongue exerts on, the, on, 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 on people, on you and I. And he says the tongue makes a great boast. Boasting always stem from pride and arrogance. So anywhere you hear boast, for someone boasting, check it out. Very proud and arrogant. 
we boast about our achievement. We boast about what we have. We boast about who we know. Where there is boasting, humility is missing. Boasting reveals our insecure state. So just like the doctor is checking the tongue and he's saying the pink color or the that color or the crack in the middle mean that the patient is dehydrated. Boasting also tells, sends a message of what is happening in your heart. Boasting reveals pride and arrogance, and it also reveals insecurity. Insecure individuals boast about their achievements in an attempt to gain recognition, validation, and approval to compensate for their internal fears and doubts. Show me a boastful person and I'll tell you who they are. When we are insecure, we often engage in un unhealthy comparisons with others. So you'll hear persons talk and they'll describe themselves and they'll tell you about their shape or the length of their hair or their body, their, their, their skin or whatever, in an aim to, to compare themselves with others because of their insecurity. Insecurity shows up when we are boastful. Again, check. It's a valid test of the issue in our heart. Boasting can create division and rivalry among people because it fosters a competitive spirit that can lead to envy and jealousy. When we boast, we sometimes misrepresent our achievements and abilities by exaggerating what we have. Boasting can prevent us from seeing ourselves accurately and from recognizing our own flaws and limitations. Most times, a person who is boastful will never stop and share with you the areas in their lives where they think they need to grow. They'll never be introspective a person who is boastful will always think to think or attempt for you to think that they are better or they feel better about themselves than they really do. In James 4.16, James said, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Paul's response in Galatians 6.14 is, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Again, in 2 Corinthians 10.17, Paul declares, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. James continued to describe the tongue and he said the tongue is like a fire. The fire, fire has a destructive nature. It can quickly spread and cause widespread damage, consuming and destroying things in its path and around it. Whereas the bit and the rudder that I told you earlier were passive instruments used, the tongue is an active instrument that once fanned into flame can be harmful for, to those around it. It only takes a spark 
to get the fire going. And then it keeps on spreading till all is ablaze. Similarly, the fire, the tongue, the way the fire can destroy surrounding, so does the tongue. There are individuals who are good with words and know how to use them to squash the mean, hurt, or belittle others. And we will make statements like we bring them down to size. We put them in their places. That's the way we use our tongues to destroy those around us. James said the tongue is a fire. It is destructive in nature. Just as fire can swiftly spread and engulf everything in its path, there are those of us who, who are great gossip gossipers. We possess the skills to cause widespread harm by disseminating information, masking their intent under the guise of seeking prayer. So we call someone and we share people's story because we say, let us pray about it. But my intention, my aim and my motivation and my motive was to slander and to gossip. James said the tongue is a world of evil among the parts of the body. So in spite of this small size, the tongue possesses immense potential for negativity and the ability to wield great power for evil. The tongue has the capacity to exert a substantial negative influence, causing widespread damage and contributing to the presence of evil in the world. So every time you and I speak harshly to someone, we have contributed to the presence of evil in the world. Every time you and I gossip or slander about someone, we have contributed to the presence of evil in the world. Every time you and I attempt to be boastful and we create the vision, we have contributed to the presence of evil in the world. Proverbs 15 verse 1 tells us, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. James continues by saying to us, the tongue corrupts the whole person. Notice the tongue in, in the picture, in the video, the tongue was cracked in the center. The tongue was swollen. The tongue was red at the tip. The tongue had a white film over it and the doctor was able to say, how what the tongue manifested or demonstrated was affecting the person's body. He was speaking about the person's bowel action because the tongue was sharing something. The tongue corrupts. The tongue is so much more than what we actually say out loud. And this is what I want you to pay attention to. If you never hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear this. Your tongue is much more than what you actually say in words. Your tongue has a holistic influence and mastery over your body and over my body. It has the power to corrupt or to defile our thoughts, our tone, our behavior, our character, emotions, actions and our relationships with others. We can formulate our thoughts without verbal speech. We can have lustful thoughts without verbal speech. 
We can be resentful without verbal speech or negative unspoken words in our minds is attributed to our tongue. When we feel sorry for ourselves because of self-pity, it is the voices in our heads that, 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 that we are responding to, even though we may never have voiced them with words. Proverbs 13 verse 3 says, those who guard their lips persevere, per, uh, preserves their lives, but those who speak rashly come to ruin. The tongue sets the whole course of life on fire. So our tongue influences our life direction. The things we speak, the things we think about ourselves, the words we speak can shape the trajectory of our lives. It influences our decision and the overall direction that we take. So think about the things that we say about ourselves. I always say about people, they, oh no, they never amount to nothing. Oh, life is always hard. Oh boy, I can't manage. I feel like I'm going to die. Think about the things that we have been spoken, the, the spoken words and the unspoken words. Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keeps, keep themselves from calamity. The tongue is set on fire by hell, James tells us. The tongue can become an instrument that opposes God or it can align with Satan. That is what James, Matthew 16, 21, 23 tells us. That in preparing his disciples for, for his departure, Jesus told them about what he was going to suffer and how he was going to be killed. Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. But Jesus replied to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an hindrance to me for you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely from a human point of view. What Jesus was saying to Peter is this, Peter, you're desiring what you're desiring for me is an hindrance to what I must go through. You are actually partnering with Satan, not with God. The source of our hurtful speech may be traced back to evil influences, negative inclinations and impure motives. Every word that you and I speak comes from something that is you in our heart. The way we respond, the tone we respond, tells us what's happening on our inside, just the way the doctor looks at the tongue and says a cracked tongue means that the person is dehydrated, they have not been drinking enough fluids. So the tongue, the things we say, the way we act, the way we think, speaks volume about our hearts. James 4.1 reminds us that the conflicts and disputes we engage in with others often arise from the internal battles of conflicting desires and motivation. James says, what caused struggle inside of you? What caused the fights inside of you? These internal struggles frequently prompt our reactions when opportunities for conflict present themselves. So every time an opportunity becomes available, because of what is inside of us, because we are parched, because we have issues, 
we jump at it and there's always conflict and fighting. The tongue is a flame of fire, James says. So therefore, it is important that you and I win the battle to control the tongue. Because winning the battle of our tongue wins all the battles that we have to face. The way you and I deal and respond to the things in our lives tell us how we're going to win the battles in our lives. So now we can understand better why James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak because your tongue is telling, sharing what's happening in your heart. If you and I are able to control our tongues, we are able to promote virtues such as love, kindness, truth, gentleness. From verses 78, we see James contrasting the, the wild animals with the taming of the tongue. And he says, all kind of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here, James is emphasizing that humans have successfully used various techniques to break in a horse, to, to, to domesticate a dog. And we see snakes and all of those things people are living with and calling them pet. But he's saying, despite the success to break in wild animals, no one can break in the tongue. No human being can control the tongue. No human being can discipline the tongue. And so why we may ask, the human tongue is unruly. It is unpredictable. It is challenging to restrain. It is the most challenging aspect of our lives to control on our own. And so you may think that remaining silent is controlling your tongue. James is saying no. While we might excel at maintaining silence, which seems to conceal our thoughts or avoid certain individuals, it is important that you and I recognize that our speech extends beyond the spoken words. Our speech includes the thoughts within our minds. Our speech includes the motives that drive our actions. Our speech includes the emotions that is reflected in our tone. So someone asks you a question and you may, the answer may be yes. But your yes is not just a yes. It's a yes that is loaded by your thoughts. The unspeaking words and your unspeaking communication, like the furrowing of your, furrowing of your brows or the rolling of your eyes or the shrugging of your shoulders or the distant and dead glazes, gazes while the negative thoughts unfold in our mind reveal the nature of our hearts. The tongue physically tells us what's happening in our bodies. The tongue spiritually tells us what's happening in our hearts. Notice that James did not say that the tongue is like a restless evil or like poison. No, James definitively states that the tongue is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. What is James saying? 
A restless evil speaks of the tendency to be in constant motion and often the source of trouble. In essence, what James is saying, the tongue is always going. And it is always causing trouble because even if you're not speaking it, you're thinking it. If the mouth is not speaking, the mind is thinking and it is motivated to bring harm. In the midst of a conversation, you're sitting and as much as you want to be stoic and to appear as if you're attentive and you're listening, you are formulating a thought that you may never share. Right now, you're thinking things about me. You're hearing things in my voice. You are listening to my pronunciation. You are formulating thoughts that you may never share to me because that's the nature of the, the tongue. James, it is full of, a, of deadly poison. It is a metaphor that illustrates the destructive power of our words and speech. James says our, word, our tongue is a deadly poison. Just as poison can be harmful and deadly to the body, our speech can also have similar effect. It has a severe and lasting consequences. It is deadly. It damages the self-esteem self of a person who hears what we say about them. Imagine if every person should hear our conversation that we have about them behind them. Imagine how many relationships would have been destroyed if all our thoughts are revealed to the person that we're thinking about. Imagine the emotional pain it would have caused and the conflicts that would come about and the arguments and the negative consequences that would create division if everyone would hear our thoughts towards them or to hear what we say in our bathrooms or in our cars or what we say to others. James says our tongue is a restless evil. It is always seeking an opportunity to bring on as much as you and I want to think that we are good. James is saying our tongues are motivated by evil. Our tongues are poisonous. Because we now know the possible negative impact of our tongues, you and I need to watch our speech. And remember I said to you earlier that our speech is more than the words that we, verbal words that we communicate, the words that you are able to hear. We have non-verbal speech that is created by our tongues. Let our words edify rather than tear down. Let our words be constructive rather than hurtful. James 1.5 tells us that if we lack wisdom, and I so lack wisdom this morning, because when I prepared this this week, I realized that James was speaking to me. He's saying, Ava, you are you have a tongue that is motivated to harm. And in the midst of a moment, when you hear something, you can retort. And you can, and you can always find something negative to respond because it takes so much more for me to speak the positive than the negative. I, I always have a response. You may be like me or maybe you may not think, or maybe you think you're not like me. But James is saying to us today, if we need the wisdom to control our tongue, we need 
the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. James is saying to us, if we cannot, we, we cannot control our tongues as human beings, we need the divine wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit because only him can tame the tongue. So how do we become that person that James is calling us to be who carefully speaks? James says, we have to rely on the wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So what do I do? We pray, we pray, we pray. We seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. We meditate on scripture to gain insights and guidance. We create moments to, to listen and to be still. Because sometimes we need to take the thoughts captive. Take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Because I don't know what you're thinking and you don't know what I'm thinking. And we can stand before each other, we can smile, but our thoughts toward each other are not good. And James said, listen, the person I'm calling you to be, if that whether it is a spoken or an unspoken word, it must reflect what you say you believe. Seek spiritual counsel. If we find that we're thinking and we cannot control our thoughts and we realize that this is beyond us because there are times that we need deliverance and there are times that we need to submit. Seek the wisdom of God to know what is causing your tongue to constantly be harming others, whether in words or in thoughts. Stay open to correction. Not many of us like to be corrected. Not many of us want to hear the truth. But James is saying to us that we cannot stay there. We have to be the kind of person that God has called us to be, that Jesus has modeled for us to be. Be patient and humble. Repent and confess. When you make a mistake or have sinned, Repent and confess your shortcomings. The Holy Spirit will guide you. My fourth and final claim is the kind of person who James is calling us to be is one whose faith is consistent with the value and principles they profess. In verses 9 to 12, James points out the inconsistent human behavior when it comes to speech. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. because This is inconsistent. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? My brothers and sisters, can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In essence, what James is saying to us this morning like today, we sing praises to our God. We sing hallelujah to our King. We say, God, you alone reign. You are king. You are sovereign. But James is saying, but what do you do after today? Or even in the midst of the service, someone said something. What do you do? Do you roll your eyes when nobody is seeing? 
Do you shrug your shoulders in a way of disrespect when nobody is looking? Do you think thoughts that no one else can see that if the person heard those thoughts it would have brought harm? James says we cannot continue to be inconsistent in the way we behave. We cannot praise God this moment and curse and harm others the next moment. James emphasizes that this should not be because it is inconsistent with our faith and whom we are as Christians. James used two analogies to substantiate his point. And he said the nature, the, the nature of the source determines the nature of the output. Fresh water is the river or spring as salt water is to ocean or sea. Each highlighting that the makeup is consistent with the source. Fig tree is to figs as olive tree is to olives. Again, James is showing that the nature of the source determines the kind of fruit it produces. Fig trees cannot bear olives. Salt spring cannot produce fresh water. James is urging you and I, as he, he did to his original readers, to be consistent in what we do. Be consistent in our thoughts. Be consistent in our speech. Be consistent in our nonverbal and our verbal communication. Our words must be consistent with the values and principles we profess. Our speech must align with our faith and our character. Our tongues must speak verbal and nonverbal words that are consistent with God, our source. So how do I become the kind of person whose faith is consistent with the value and principles they profess? James is calling us to be self-reflective. The truth is if you don't stop to see what is inside of you, you don't know what needs to go. The truth is, if that person with the cracked toe, tongue, the center crack in the tongue, did not go to the doctor and thought it was normal to have a cracked tongue, they would never have known that they need to drink more fluid. The truth is, the person with the, with the red tongue would never have known that they have allergies. The person with the inability to move the tongue would never realize that they have a neurological issue. What James is saying to us is that when we become self-reflective, when we examine what we believe and the values and principles that we believe in contrasting or contrast to what we claim to believe or what we do, James says you will know if you are consistent or inconsistent. James said your inconsistencies will show up. My inconsistencies have been showing up. James says, Ava, be accountable. He's saying to NLH members, be accountable to God for what you think about others and what you speak. Ensure that your daily choices, your behaviors and lifestyle align with your faith. Ensure that when you interact with others, your ethical decisions and life priorities come out and they match what you believe. James says, if we say we love 
let it come out in your thoughts when nobody is looking and nobody can see. James said, if you think you're kind, let it not be that your kindness only sh shows up when others are viewing and you are now doing a spectator sport. James says, embrace change. Recognize that we are different. You are different from I. You will do things different from I do. And that's a problem in me to understand and to accept your difference. James says, model our faith because the inconsistencies in our life shows up. Being a Christian in James's view involves not only professing faith, but also living it out through one's actions and speech. Our values and our principles should come out whether we speak it or we think it. James encourages Christians to be the kind of individuals who understand the weight of the responsibility that comes with the call to teach. James, if you're called to teach, remember there is a weight, there is a responsibility. You will be judged more harshly, more strictly, because God is now looking at the fact that not only are you telling people, but you are required to live by what you say. So you and I who are called to teach, we don't have the luxury of saying, do as I say, but not as I do. James encourages Christians to recognize the power and the potential of the unruliness of their tongue. Your tongue, my tongue, is a it's fire, it is deadly, it is poisonous, it is motivated by evil. Our tongues rely on, and, 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 and James is saying, rely on God and the Holy Spirit for the wisdom and the guidance you need. Because our faith must be consistent with the value and the principles we profess. You and I must be deliberate and careful in our speech. We must use our words wisely in accordance with our professed faith. I don't know for you what this meant for you hearing this this morning. But as I prepared this thing, I felt like I was getting some uppercut. Because it is easy to say I can remain quiet because some of us are very good at, at remaining, sitting with a very straight face in the midst, midst of something going on. And we will say, you know, I never spoke a word. But James says, no, it's not about the words. What were you thinking? What were your thoughts? Because your thoughts, your, your, your tongue constitute not only the words that come from your mouth, but the thought that motivates the words that come from your mouth. So you may have a little bit more self-control where you can hold back on your words. But what were you thinking? What were you thinking about Mary, about Susan, about Tom, about Ava? What were you thinking or what are you thinking? James warned us and he said, we must be consistent in what we say and what we do. Our faith should guide our speech. Our faith should guide our thoughts. Our faith should guide our belief. 
and our values and our emotions because you and I know that we can answer one word and the tone that comes, it is so loaded. You and I know how to, to, to squash someone. You and I know how to belittle someone and to demean them. You and I know how to bring them down and some of us are better at, uh, than some. You and I know how to gossip. You and I know how to slander. And, and James is saying, watch what you're doing. Watch what you are doing. Be consistent because if you teach, the people you're teaching, you cannot be gossiping about them. The people who you have called to, to, to influence, you cannot be tearing them down. That is what I heard this week through James. You cannot be destroying the same people you're trying to build up. You cannot try to be poisonous to those you are trying to give life to. James's warning not was not was not was not only for those of the Jewish diaspora over 2000 years ago. James warning is to, for us today and he continues to urge us from the grave. Eva NLH be consistent in what you say. Ensure that your what you believe is consistent with what you do, what you think, what you say about others. Like me, you may need to repent. Like me, you may need to confess this morning where you have gone wrong, where you have stumbled. Because James tells us that we all stumble. So don't feel bad. You are amongst humans. But James says, for us to move from this place, for us to move from this inconsistent place, we have to seek the guidance and the power and the wisdom of our holy God. So this morning, I write right where you are. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And I'm going to ask you right where you are to speak to God about the inconsistencies that you may have been seeing in your own life. Ask him to reveal to you where you have been erring, where you have been talking, where you have been boastful, where you have been manipulating, where you have been criticizing, where you have been negative and neg negative and have been complaining, where you have en entertained inappropriate humor. Because even that, James is saying, is inconsistent with what we believe. We believe that our God is holy. Therefore, we should not be caught in a place where inappropriate humor is, that we are enjoying it. James said, even the way we swear and we curse and we use profane languages, he said, that is inconsistent with being a part of the kingdom of God. James is calling you and I this morning to repent. From the grave, we hear James says to, or saying to us, repent, confess your faults, confess your sins so that you may be healed. And so right where you are this morning, I ask you to be confessing and repenting of your sins. Confess your sin. Lord, acknowledge. Lord, I acknowledge. I acknowledge, Lord, that I have been boastful at times. Lord, I acknowledge that I have lied and I have deceived. I have, I, I have exaggerated or I have minimized things to, 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 to misinform. 
to mislead those who hear. Lord, I have manipulated by, by use my words to manipulate. I have, I have flattered others. I've used my eyes. I've flattered my eyelashes. I've done it, God, just to get my way. I have cast judgment where I do not understand. I have criticized people and things I do not know. I have complained. I have been negative. I have laughed about things that I should have frowned upon. And Father, I come to you this morning. Come not only on my behalf alone, but I come on behalf of NLH and I confess our need for you. Father, we need wisdom. Father, we need wisdom because, Father, the truth is, Lord, some of us, we thought, Father, that we were doing well because we did not voice the things we thought. We thought we were doing well, Father, because we were not in the midst of arguments and confusion because we knew how to remain still. Father, the truth be told, we thought we had it together because we were never in the, in the midst of conflict and strife. But Father, today we hear you say that our thoughts this morning has turned up before you and we have been judged. This morning, Father, we hear you saying to us, stick your tongue out and I will tell you how healthy you are. Lord, we have stuck our tongues out and we realize, Father, we are unhealthy. We have stuck our tongues out, Father, and we realize that this morning that the issues in our hearts, Father, and reveal the unhealthy sides and the unhealthy nature of our lives. Father, we confess this morning, Father. James says it is impossible for us in our own humanness to tame the tongue. We can do it with wild animals, but we can't do it in our own self. So, Father, we come to you this morning. We come to you, the only one who is able to do it. We come to you this morning, the only one who can fix the problem, the only one who has the solution for our problem. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, here I am this morning. I am in need. I am in need of you. Here I am this morning, God, with a mind that is corrupt, with a mind that is poisoned, with a mind that is deadly, with a mind that is evil. Here I am this morning, Father, saying to you, God, Lord, I need you. God, I need you, God. I hear you say I'm to renew my mind. I'm to take captive my thoughts. I hear you say this morning that I'm to offer my body as a living sacrifice. And so, Lord, this morning, I not only offer the parts of my body that I can see, but I offer my thoughts as well. The era in my life that I sing the most. Father, as your people hear and repent of their individual sins, will you hear from heaven today? Will you hear and heal us this morning? Will you hear and bring us to that place, Father? That not only will we be silent, God, but that we will not think the things that we should not think. We will so take the thoughts captive as they come to the obedience of Christ. Oh, Father, here we are, God. Have mercy this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you.